If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, you can download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. This is Glenn Krauss with Top Gun Auto School and co-founder of Top Gun Auto School and founder of Core CDI. We're here today, uh, have the privilege of speaking with Dr. Patel. She's a practicing nephrologist in Chicago Land Hospital. I met, I had the privilege of meeting Dr. Patel uh, uh, last year, and actually in December for a couple of weeks. Uh, the reason why I invited her on the podcast, she, uh, because her documentation or her communication patient care is the best I've ever seen in 27 plus years of working with physicians. Uh, and, and her comment to me was, it doesn't take any longer to, to uh, effectively communicate on behalf of my patient. That was music to my ears. And we also have on the podcast, Elaine, she's a, a coding manager at a 425 bed hospital uh, in California. She has 35 years, a whole life dedicated to coding, and what's what's uh, what I'm really impressed with Elaine, having known her for seven years, that she really appreciates the understanding of clinical coding accuracy, not just coding guidelines only, the clinical coding and the and uh, and she has a strong uh, uh, understanding and appreciation for what CDI programs can be doing. Uh, which we're not necessarily accomplishing today to effectively communicate that patient care to the extent coders can accurately assign the clinical codes for all clinical relevant conditions and uh, and represent the patient, including social determinants of health, and at the same time reduce compliance risk and any financial exposure due to potential questions of uh, uh, refuting coding based on clinical validation. So uh, what I'd like to do uh, today is kind of go over a couple of questions, uh, Dr. Patel and Elaine, uh, regarding uh, uh, the role of documentation. So the first uh, kind of area I want to focus on uh, to addressing uh, Dr. Patel is how does a physician effectively and efficiently master documentation and communication? And why is it that we're seeing uh, such uh, what I call insufficient documentation as identified by Medicare in their improper payment uh, 2019 supplemental data report. There's so much going on with insufficient doc documentation and medical necessity. Why do uh, physicians have a challenge with that? Hmm. So I guess to one thing, why are a lot of the physicians sort of struggling to effectively document is one, they want to have a bit of a shortcut in yeah. on an initial encounter yes. because of uh, time constraint. And some of the physicians I've encountered, they don't want to spend that initial time on looking through what's going on. And they just address like one or two things and 
and then it ends up being assessment and plan of one or two things, mm-hmm. which is which is where they get dinged. Sometimes they review it, but because of rush, just not put anything in there. And even though the work has been done, time is spent. Yes. Um, in a hurry, not writing it, not not typing it in, is 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 what dings them for um, lack of uh, lack of documentation. Yeah, and, exactly. And the thing that I I, I I'm seeing is <laughs> I had I had a physician recently tell me if I if we had a document the way. Uh, I was uh, discussing with a group of hospitalists in a in a in the hospitalist um, uh, uh, hangout dungeon, if you will, uh, mm. and a couple of physicians asked for some help uh, assistance because they want to become more efficient. Uh, mm-hmm. The doctor, one of the hospitalists, came over there and said, "You know, I, that's why I don't document the way you do." I say, "We was discussing." I say, "Well, why? What's, well, why not?" He says. He said to me, if I had to document the way people was, was, uh, asked me to do, I'd be killing patients. And I said, excuse mm. me? He said, I'd be killing patients. And I said, how was that? And I was polite about it. He said, I wouldn't have time to see patients. But, and then I made the statement, uh, I think you will agree, that, uh, that uh, if you don't communicate patient care, the patient could get, not get the right care or the wrong test or maybe get a test that's, that should be receiving a particular test uh, that, uh, that should be ordered that he didn't order. And I just finished reading the doctor's company, the, the biggest malpractice insurance company uh, uh, owned by the physicians as members. Uh, and uh, their, their uh, open study, their closed case study of uh, payouts for internal medicine, 58% of the cases paid out were, were due to a delay in diagnosis. And now you wonder mm-hmm. how much of that comes from taking shortcuts with documentation. Do you agree? What are mm-hmm. your thoughts on that, Dr. Patel? Um, yeah, exactly. So <clears throat> oftentimes people don't take the time to write out why they're consulting someone, why they're doing what they're doing. <clears throat> so if you order a test and you're not writing out the reason you think about that, Thing or that's why you're ordering the test. I think that's that's what one of the things that affects everybody because you're ordering tests and and you're not writing it down, and then other people are not following those thoughts. And oftentimes, if multiple doctors are following something, a test can get missed, or something that somebody ordered the test for mm-hmm. can get overlooked. That's right. Absolutely. And if you're in a hurry, if you're in a hurry, I've seen physicians do like a, uh, uh, do a follow-up note in about two minutes. You can't do a good, uh, am I correct in saying, because I, you know, I don't practice medicine, but I, I believe in, uh, in doing right for a patient. Can you mm-hmm. do a follow-up note in two minutes? I don't think it's possible. If you copy and paste everything. Yeah. I think if you copy and paste everything, you can do it. However, to be able to do a follow-up note in short time, in my experience, mm-hmm. you have to put in the time the first time you see the patient. Oh, and for the history and physical, or, or since, yep. you, since you don't admit patients primarily, your consult, on consult, my consult note. Consult mm-hmm. note, and that's what I saw, a great note. And so I think one of the, one of the uh, uh, certainly you view uh, documentation as, as a, as not a reimbursement tool, it's a patient communication tool on behalf right. of your patient. 
And does right. it take, and so when you're doing your H&P or your progress note, what, what tips or what, what, mm -hmm. how do you, how do you, how do you communicate so effectively and still see the same number of patients? Is it, you, you've kind of perfected how, what's your, what's your strategy to, to evaluate the patient, obviously for the consult, or let's say you're an attending, if there is a way to conquer documentation and not spend more time, what's your secret recipe? Um, to be completely honest, I, I put down why, is because I'm a consultant, I put down um, sort of a, um, first I, I take a patient's history, follows like a story for me. Mm -hmm. Like what brought the patient to the hospital? What's been sort of going on last few days? And why did they need consultants? So, so when I write down or, or figure out or read other notes quickly and, and figure out what is current treatment, then I write, why am I being consulted on day, whatever day it is. Uh -huh. Yeah. So then that's where I'm picking up the care. And from there, is where I build the whole hospital course and then moving forward, I'm ordering X, Y, and Z for whatever, whatever, whatever. Right. And I think one of the things I like that, that I want to stress to the, uh, uh, and make sure we make a good point is, is that when I look at your documentation or your communication of patient care, I get the patient story and, and the patient story uh, as a, as, as a non-physician, uh, I've been working with physicians for over 25 years. And one thing that comes to mind, in fact, I just read an article in the New England Journal of Medicine that said up to 40% of the time, the patient will lead you to a diagnosis as long as you take the time to take a patient story. And, mm -hmm. and, and I think that's something that you excel in. It's, it comes natural. And communicating that is effective in terms of establishing medical necessity. I know we had a discussion about level twos and threes, nine nine two two twos and threes, and nine nine two two threes has a high error rate uh, for Medicare, particularly in the last couple of years with the CERT report, uh, because of uh, insufficient documentation and/or medical necessity. So, mm -hmm. would you say that's something that uh, most physicians do ne do not necessarily subscribe ascribe to, uh, subscribe to? Because you you read your H and P's as part of the uh, consultant note, and I and I mm -hmm. think you, uh, sometimes it's hard to find out why they even ask for a consult. Am I correct? Oh, absolutely, because they don't put down the reason for consult. And 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 what about your physical exam comes natural because of clinical judgment and uh, of the physician and basic experience. But what is what 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 uh, what are your thoughts on the clinical impression? I notice on your documentation you have, uh, let's say, a patient comes in with the elevated potassium uh, and they have a, a hypertensive emergency. And they got diabetes that's uh, 500 level A1C, looks like ordered the 13, which is certainly not well controlled. Well, what, what thoughts do you have or what, what words of wisdom do you have for other physicians and CDI uh, professionals list and coders? What, what's the most important part of the medical decision making? It is the definitive or provisional? And is provisional diagnosis rather important in terms of driving a medical necessity and letting people know what you think. Yeah, I for for me and I guess pointed out just because the provisional diagnosis is sort of more important because 
oftentimes we are still working the patient up. Yeah. And that's where it's important to describe and let other physicians know what you're thinking. And based on what you're thinking, what you're treating, and it may or may not be right. While do, you're doing this, you are also ordering some tests. So I, I tell medical students and residents and stuff that when I first make sort of any, any kind of assessment and, and plan, part of assessment is uh, just clinical judgment, then ordering more tests. But then what am I going to do in meantime based on what I think is the primary cause of what's going on? So there's three things in that assessment and plan that needs to kind of be there. That's kind of how I teach my residents and students. Like you oh, have to make a plan. Yeah. And it has to be rational and reasonable based on your assessment. Yes. Based, uh, yeah. And, and, and the other thing, and this leads me up to, uh, I want to, Elaine, I haven't forgotten you. So one of the things I want to, I want to mention now, Elaine has a relatively what? A CDI program that's been around for about a year. Is that right, Elaine? Uh, yeah, going on almost two. Okay, so what are some of the things? What are the some of the, uh, some of the uh, let's say uh, you see denials just like every other coding manager for clinical validation? Uh, am, uh, am I correct in that statement? Yes, absolutely. Okay, and they're not getting any. It's not getting better. It's getting worse. I know that's right. So, uh, oh yeah, um, the volume has actually increased. Um, Gosh, since uh, my time at this facility, right, uh, I've increased. And you know that brings up an interesting point of uh, what Dr. Uh, Patel said about provisional diagnosis, and she does an excellent job. Uh, and uh, and and uh, but did not I first I first met you where in the cafeteria, uh, uh, the CDI. Yeah. Introduced me. What's the first thing I said to you? Oh, you said, uh, you said you. I hope you're billing level three. This is what That's what I, I said. I said, your documentation <laughs> is unbelievable. And, and, and that, that was kind of, you look like me like I'm crazy because no one yeah. ever gives positive feedback to physicians when they're doing good. Uh, so I like to right. do that. But uh, go, Elaine, so uh, what, do you see trouble or see uh, attribute, contributing factors, diagnoses that are introduced maybe a day, two days into the stay from a query as opposed to would there be less, would there be less denials or hopefully trending down clinical validation denials if we had a good solid H&P with provisional and definitive diagnosis with their rationale? Is, am I correct in that statement? Oh, absolutely. Um... You know, when HMPs are light on information uh, and then a one piece of paper in terms of a query shows up and allegedly confirms a diagnosis, there's really no support before or in the middle or after. Um, and you have no leg to really stand on. You might have a perfectly good policy and definition at your facility, but mm -hmm. if the record doesn't support it, it's just not going to fly. You're not going to get anywhere. Right. These managed care plans. Oh, tell me no, about it. Yeah, there's no additional avenues to um, appeal. You know, you can do two or three, four letters, and they still don't change their mind. It's oh, not no, like, I, have, I have a colleague who does, she's actually a CDI nurse who has coding credentials, and she really uh, knows how to, and actually two colleagues, and, she, and she, they do uh, work for other hospitals as part of their uh, job. And and they say uh, uh, these queries are really 
contributing to more denials because we're introducing information. The clinical indicators are there. You know, there's so much, you know, there's so much uh, effort at uh, writing compliant queries and making sure we got clinical indicators, but the piece that's missing that I don't see as an issue, <laughs> Dr. Patel's, uh, Dr. Patel's documentation is we don't have a good clinical information facts in the clinical story. We don't have the context. All of a sudden, we, I, call it a, I call it a mirage in the desert. All of a sudden, we have sand, and all of a sudden, we see water. The water is a, the water is a diagnosis, but we don't have the clinical information, no clinical rationale, no, no, no thought process. So we, have no, we don't have a leg to stand on. So uh, is that, what other, so if that's an area that CDI should focus on. What, what else could CDI be doing to help alleviate some of these denials, whether they're medical necessity or clinical validation? So obviously in HNP, but what else do you think? What, what should we, what, how should we redesigning programs to really improve work with physicians like Dr. Patel, who could be the physician advisor, physician champion, that's how good our documentation is. What can we be doing to drive improvement so the record speaks for itself? Well, I think their mindset has to change and not just be focused on reimbursement and the quality initiatives. It really needs to be focused on ensuring that the records are telling the true story of the patient and uh, being audit proof. Uh, if you can audit proof a record, no one can question anything. If you know the orders are all in sync, the medications support the diagnoses, the commentary by the physicians support the things that they're ordering. Um, you know, pull it all together and make it audit proof and solid then, you know, you've got a leg to stand on when they attempt to um, take money away from you. But, you know, many of these programs now are just focusing only on reimbursement or, you know, staying under the, uh, the, the, the red line of the uh, quality initiatives, and they're really losing the focus of making sure yeah, I, the record is a communicative tool. I agree. Dr. Patel, do you, are you at any, I know you practice in other hospital. Do they have a CDI mm -hmm. program there at your other hospital where you consult? Uh, we do at Trinity Hospital, which is a big conglomerate of like- Yeah, 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 they're out of Michigan, um, yeah. Do they have, and, do, do they send you queries? Do you get those queries in your Yeah, yeah, because they will say, you know, patient has CHF, you haven't documented EF, or patient's not on like ACE inhibitors, or patient's not- Correct me if uh, I'm wrong, aren't you a nephrologist? I am, but like sometimes, because I'll write things and and I guess I tend to write more diagnosis. They just, it sometimes is annoying because if you write a lot of notes and long notes, they come to you. With yeah, because they, and, and if you answer the queries, they know that they know you're going to do it again. But they piece, I think the piece, uh, uh, the piece that's that's important is that you write you you're documenting diagnosis that impact your medical decision making. In other words. Right. Uh, if you have a patient with chronic renal failure stage five, uh, you make some, you may make some suggestions about. And let's say they come in with acute on chronic systolic heart failure, or the doc, uh, mm -hmm. or the doctor writes acute uh, CHF, and you put down uh, more specificity. Uh, they're gonna uh, when you're writing, you know, a, a chronic kidney disease stage five, that impacts your medical decision making from the standpoint mm -hmm. of recommendations for maybe changing the, the diuretic 
uh, or any other medication regimen because you don't you don't manage kidney disease or CHF in a vacuum. So right. I think that's one thing that CDI does not doesn't quite understand is that mm-hmm. how all these diagnoses fit together. And Elaine, it right. speaks to your point when we're just we're focusing on reimbursement, we lose the total picture of communication of patient care. And the question. Right. You agree, Elaine? Oh, absolutely. You know, one of the other things, too, is besides the diagnoses being well-documented and or answered via a query, much of the documentation may not even support that documentation and those diagnoses in terms of, uh, you know, doctor will write, uh, no distress, uh, patient sitting up, playing cards, et cetera. Yeah. Have these diagnoses that are like, oh, my God, they're septic. Well, we know what sepsis is all about. Yeah, it's supposed to be altered mental status. And uh, sepsis with a sepsis, uh, I saw one the other day. Acute respiratory failure with COPD exacerbation. Uh, No pulse oximetry on the chart. Uh, uh, And and the doctor wrote in his physical exam, I think Dr. Patel can probably relate to her practice, not related to her practice, but sees it in other H&Ps, a diagnosis where the doctor says acute respiratory failure, uh, and the doctor says in the physical exam, constitutional, patient alert, no anytime free, and no distress, speaking full sentences, talking on the phone with his wife. It's like, hello? How are we supposed to defend that, you know? Uh, and the other piece, I just a couple of quick questions or points. Uh, uh, Dr. Patel, if you... Uh, if you if you if you uh, were designing or you you have the uh, experience with these queries, and your mm-hmm. documentation is excellent, and I'm not just saying that. Uh, let's say you were a resident or a physician and didn't yeah. quite understand the value of effective communication or mastering and learning the standards. What things would you would be would be helpful to a physician besides being queried the heck out of a diagnosis? What would you want to see CDI people uh, uh, helping physicians in their in their business and practice of medicine? Oh God, that's a tough one because sometimes I I don't know how much of medical knowledge uh, the coder has, but. Uh, it's sometimes uh, the complexity of what's going on with the patient is hard to put on the paper. Yeah. But we experience it in the patient's room or whatever. Like, right. You know, patients morbidly obese, can't even move. I mean, there's so many other factors which play into just what's on the paper. And I, 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 I struggle to be honest, to kind of connect. And sometimes the coder will not understand where we're coming from, but. And, it's, and the coder will send you a query. And, and then sometimes you can't write that the patient's morbidly obese and therefore cannot get all these testing done or whatever patient requires like five people to, to turn them and things of that sort. It's, it's, I don't know how much of, the other things we could write. Um, so, so that's a tough one. And I think the other piece, and Lane, please chirp in before we move just to the last comment here. Uh, uh, I'd like to see CDI being able to help physicians, and obviously 
help them understand, uh, direct them and how best to capture their clinical judgment and medical decision making, particularly with provisional diagnosis. That's not something we usually ask physicians. We ask the doctor to put down from a reimbursement standpoint, rule out suspected probable likely. Uh, uh, so when it is still, uh, it's still being ruled out, uh, this is a coding rule as long as their diagnosis is documented as such and there's plans for further workup as an outpatient that's documented in the discharge summary, we can code that. The piece that's missing is the clinical picture and those provisional diagnosis from the beginning that, uh, that certainly help paint the picture of why the patient needs to be in the house. And the other piece, that I, that I see CDI becoming more, uh, more attuned to and becoming more of a, uh, a, uh, a having more skill sets or more competency in is how to communicate effectively, not, not necessarily the diagnosis, but how, how to tell a patient's story and demonstrate that medical necessity from the beginning. And that comes from a good history of present illness, nature of presenting problem. How do the patient look what, what, how did it manifest and what's wrong with the patient? That's the piece I think that, and it also impacts our coding because what are our coding will say, Elaine? It says that uh, the chief reason they have to study why the patient's admitted, sometimes it's not even clear why the patient was admitted. Do you find that in your practice, Elaine? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it, it can be very ambiguous. You'll see weakness, weakness, weakness throughout the entire record. And mm -hmm. you know, you'll look on, um, uh, say maybe the nurse's notes or something that spoke to the physician, uh, likely TIA. It's the nurse documenting it and not the physician. Right. Uh, I, I really think CDI's role besides, you know, uh, getting that medical necessity and ensuring the documentation is strong, it's really to help the physicians document in a codable language. Um, because they are supposed to be somewhat, you know, knowledgeable in coding principles. Right. Um, and getting that, you know, the doctor who doesn't really know what they should write, they, you know, to make it be codable, they don't know, and so that they have to be educated. And it's not about even just like coders have to be educated on the clinical aspect of disease process and, and things like that, so that way they're not overcoding signs and symptoms that are really inherent in a. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of redesign and repositioning and transforming of CDI. And if, in fact, I did a great webinar on medical necessity and uh, Dr. Doug Cutler, who was a strong longtime colleague of mine, we did a, a very informative, uh, uh, a very informative webinar uh, for a couple of hospital associations that uh, I believe Ernie, is it, is it available on the Top Gun Auto School website? I sent you a link. Uh, it's not there yet, but I'll get it up there soon. Yeah, yeah, please go. If you haven't signed up for the Top Gun Auto School listserv, please go ahead and check out the resources. We have a lot of information. We have some podcasts. We have uh, the first three Wiser Wednesday Experience Speaks available on the website. Please, we don't send you lots of junk mail or buy this, buy that. We're really focusing on helping uh, helping CDI, help the physician become the best communicators they can. And I wanna close with this kind of thought or idea or just question. Uh, is, is, Elaine, is coding quality any better in your facility after the CDI program has been in around for a year? Um, I would have to honestly say no. Um, 
I think the code assignments represent a lot of the queries that have been sent. Mm -hmm. But the overall quality, um, I would have to say no, because uh, an example, um, in one visit, a patient may have CKD stage four. Mm -hmm. Now we know that that could impact reimbursement. Right. So on this particular visit, it was queried for to get the specificity. Okay. On the subsequent visit, patient returns and has a whole bunch of other problems where now the stage doesn't even affect reimbursement. So physicians still, you know, didn't document the stage, mm -hmm. so we also didn't query. Oh, so, why is that? Why didn't we query? Um, you know, if it doesn't impact reimbursement, as an example, you know, when you only query for reimbursement type of purposes. Oh, so only we're only we're only uh, communicating. We're only querying for dollars. Is that right? Yeah. So so that's where your quality of coding technically isn't really great. It's oh, like because it's not it's not it's not fully it's not coordinated care because one day the one visit the patients got this, the next day they got this. Right. Uh and that's happened to me recently, uh going for a uh going for a follow up visit and my nurse practitioner was out skiing in uh Utah, lucky dog. Uh and uh so I had someone else and he's he's he obviously didn't read my chart thoroughly and he's telling me, I got this diagnosis. And I say, whoa, 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 let me see that record. I don't have that diagnosis. Uh, so we kind of wonder about the quality of documentation. So I would say CDI has a lot of way, long way to go. And that's why we have Top Gun because we want to be part of the solution, provide coaching and guidance. So I want to just close with this. Uh, we talked about coding quality uh, in CDI and how Dr. Patel uh, sees views documentation as a pen as a communication tool. It's not a hassle. Any any last words, Dr. Patel, on on uh, on your uh, and your vision of uh, communication of patient care? My physician should really take note of not taking shortcuts. Yeah, I mean, again, I would just reiterate the stress of make sure the patient story flows why we're doing what we're doing each day, there could be a new problem and what we're doing to address the problem and the differential, probable, suspected, uh, words of that sort is what I tend to write, which uh, helps me um, process. But again, I think that also introduces complexity of what we're dealing with. That's right. And, and by the way, I think we're going to be, uh, I'm going to be doing a, uh, another webinar upcoming for Top Gun on E&M for CDI, not the how to assign a code, but how the elements of good solid communication. Uh, if you, if you adhere to the uh, regular, the rules of E&M guidelines, uh, it's the standard for communication. If we had that, we'd be mastering documentation. Elaine, any, any thoughts, any comments, any any last minute wisdoms you want to share? Um, I just think the CDI and the coding environments need to really come together mm -hmm. and not uh, and find ways to not only focus on reimbursement and quality initiatives. You know, think out of the box. Um, we know staffing is always an issue, mm -hmm. but think out of the box. There's ways to to accomplish this. Right, and I and I want to just close with this this kind of thought. Uh, the fact that we're focusing on KPIs, and you brought up an example, it didn't pack in reimbursement, so why leave a query? Uh, it, first of all, 
we, whether, whether it increases reimbursement, we really should be focusing on that communication, but going above that, communicating the patient care from the time of ED visit till the time of the time of uh, discharge, including H&P and progress notes, that's what should be our focus. Helping the physician, help the patient, assist the case managers uh, who, who, who are gonna go to bat for their patient, particularly with these managed care, Medicaid, Medi-Cal, and uh, Medicare replacements and commercial insurers, they're looking at the clinical picture. We're focusing on the documentation. If we don't have a good patient story, doesn't matter what diagnosis we get to bump up the case mix. If we don't get paid, a 10% increase in relative weight doesn't do any good if you're not getting paid for anything. So uh, I think we can agree on that. And so I wanted to thank you all for uh, participating in, in uh, this month's January Wise and Wednesday Experience Speaks podcast. I really appreciate your wisdom and uh, mindset and taking time from your busy schedule. And folks, I just want to say, uh, check out our other Top Gun Audit School Wise and Wednesday Experience Speaks podcast or right there on the website. And sign up for our listserv so you can get notified when the next Wise and Wednesday is scheduled and so forth. And thank you very much, folks, and have a good New Year. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.